0: Follow us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen. If you like what we're doing at Voices of Reason, check out the Hinckley Report podcast
2: from our friends at the Hinckley Institute of Politics at the University of Utah. It's entertaining, informative, and thought-provoking conversations from journalists and policymakers.
1: And welcome to Voices of Reason. I am Jason Lee, along with M.E.D. Say hello.
2: Hey, hello. <laughs> Thanks for having me.
1: And uh, today, we are going to talk about a subject that is near and dear to my heart, literally, um, because um, I have a friend of mine. And
2: I like that you say near and dear to my heart. Well, it's true. It's no true. No pun intended. No
1: pun intended. It's real. Uh, I've known Rich Koenig for almost 30 years, because this would we, we would have met. So when did you and Sherry get married?
3: 1995.
1: Okay. 1995. Right. So that's the same year I met Bridget. So that, since then, at least, and, and he and I worked together in Chicago. Uh, he's from, uh, you're from Rock Island, right? No, East Moline. Right. from that. Moline. Moline, that's right. And um, I am from Chicago. But we worked downtown for a long time in uh, housing development many years ago. And we got to be friends for all this time. And one thing we had in common was that we were both relatively fit people. <laughs> and... We we kind of uh, kind of bonded over that, and we we did a a crazy bike ride. uh, And his wife too is like Amy, uh, a runner, and they both do uh, triathlons and all that stuff. Stuff that I can't do. However, I do like a good sport. uh, Racquetball, uh, I bike some now today, and now I just I'm a golfer, so I've become a lazy guy. (laughs) But uh, so. I I don't I know I haven't talked about this on the show before so I'm I'm just going to kind of throw this out there. so on May 12th which was Mother's Day this was a Sunday
2: mm-hmm.
1: I woke up and I went out and I mowed my lawn as I do sometimes because I, it was it was back back then it was still already getting warm but it had been raining a lot I remember that so it was the first sunny day we'd had in a little while and I was really happy because we were going to go out and play some golf and uh, after I finished I'm getting ready I take a shower and um, I'm ready to put my clothes on. And I, there was this weird pain I felt. And it was kind of right in where your diaphragm is, right? And it, mm-hmm. it, it, it hurt a little, but not like badly. You know, it just, uh, I'm like, wow, that's, that's an unusual pain I have. I'm not sure wh- what that's about. And I just thought it was indigestion. And so I, I just kept moving. I, I didn't think anything of it. And I'm, I'm going out and I'm getting ready to go. And uh, there's four of us going to play golf. And we get in my friend's truck. He's driving us. And as I get in the truck, you know, it wasn't feeling better, which was really odd to me again because I I felt like I was pretty all right otherwise, but it just wasn't feeling better. So I'm getting in the, uh, in the vehicle and I'm sitting in the back seat, and I take off my hat because uh, it's uh, even though it's probably in the low seventies, it was just getting kind of warm, and I was just you know kind of feeling a little nauseous, but not and not quite right. And then we're driving down the road, and we and we're not even not 10 minutes. It's more like between five and 10 minutes away from the house. And I'm just like, you know what? I got to go see a doctor about this. So, uh, we, my friends, uh, they, they drive me to an Instacare about, uh, a little less than 15 minutes from my house. And it had gotten so bad by then. I mean, I'm just, uh, I, all I'm doing is just feeling this immense pain and I could not move my body parts. Like I'm sitting, I'm just sitting, uh, in the seat, but I, I can't like, I couldn't walk if I had to, I, and I did not. And I, I could barely move my arms or anything. So they get me to where we get to the Instacare, and they're trying to get me out of the vehicle. But I can't move. I mean, it, and it just hurts. And all I can think is how much this hurts. Like, what, what in the world is going on? And I remember I felt a small tingling in my right arm, but it wasn't too bad. That was just really weird. That's what made me think something was bad happening. So finally, I kind of roped me, I don't know, fall out of the truck, um, and they put me in a wheelchair. And then they uh, wheel me into this place and there's a whole room full of people just, you know, I can hear all this kind of commotion and they drop me on this table and then they start sticking stuff on you (laughs) and they do an EKG, electrocardiogram, and they realize I'm having a heart attack. And I will tell you that in my estimation, this was on a scale of one to 10. What is my pain number? It was 11 because it is all I could think about. It hurts so bad. And I've had kidney stones for 20 plus years. Uh, and I've uh, probably ten of them. I mean, uh, ten different episodes, two surgeries, and that's still the worst pain I've ever felt. This was a second, and it was it was just I- I- immense. So eventually, I uh, they find me an ambulance, and I take the most expensive Uber ride I've ever taken. It was twenty five hundred dollars to go a whole fifteen minutes down the road from uh, from Draper, Utah, to Murray, which I kid you not is like ten miles. <laughs> and um, they they wheel me in on the gurney into. A, um, a cath lab is what they call it. It's a catheter lab. And this room is cold. I remember that. And they were playing rock music. So apparently it was a party where they, uh, they operate on people. They put me out. And a half an hour later, I get up. I wake up. Uh, I'm sorry. About an hour later, I wake up in my uh, hospital room. I felt like nothing had ever happened. Hmm. It was amazing how quickly they were able to fix me up. They put this thing through my arm. They put a stent where I had a blood clot in my right coronary artery. They removed the clot. The blood's flowing. And I i, I thought I could have, I literally, I would have walked out of the hospital that day if they'd have let me. But they made me stay there for two more days. And so that was my heart attack experience. I do not recommend it. And I know my friend Rich is about to tell you about his. But I would tell you that um, it's one of those things that it was so eye-opening and so sudden <laughs> That it just it just blew my mind. And
2: I'll say, my dad had a heart attack the same weekend. And I I text Jason because we have some work things that we're working on. And he and he said I had a heart attack today. And I said, <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs> so Rich, let's hear your story. And how old are you, Rich?
3: Uh, I am now fifty two. So I was uh, forty eight when when I had my okay.
2: Heart attack. All right, what happened with yours?
3: So I was sitting home on the couch one evening watching TV, doing nothing. It's about ten o'clock at night. Um, that morning I had swam just about 3000 meters. So just over an hour, uh, the weekend before I had done an entire Olympic triathlon. So I'm i in pretty good shape. Mm-hmm. Um, I was sitting home on the couch and like, it got just sort of getting a little uncomfortable in my chest, sort of in the sternum area. I thought, Oh, I, must, yeah, I lifted too hard. I lifted weights. Maybe I did too many push-ups. just sort of in that area. Um, so sort I of sat there and sort of, couldn't quite get comfortable, so I moved around a little bit. And after about an hour, sort of as your mind starts to wander, I'm like, I should look on WebMD. What are the signs of a heart attack? Ha, <laughs> ha, and I'm like, I don't you know. My arm's not tingling. I'm not feeling anything weird. It's just sort of it's, it's this pain that just won't go away. It's just it's really uncomfortable. But I don't really want to go to bed, so I'm sort of sitting here in the couch or watching TV and wondering what's going on. And I didn't know what the term shortness of breath meant. Now I know. Like, yeah. my breathing changed, and that's what freaked me out. Hmm. So ah. a little bit of pain. It wasn't a lot. It wasn't nearly, it wasn't even close to the pain that Jason had ever. Um, so my breathing changed, and I was sucking wind. I'm like, huh, that's probably not a good way to breathe. Mm-hmm. So I went to the bedroom where my wife was asleep, mm-hmm. and I grabbed a pair of pants and put them on, and she sort of woke up. She goes, what are you doing? And I'm like, well, I'm not feeling real great. I'm going to hop down to the hospital real quick. <laughs> <laughs> Lights go on. She jumps out of bed. <laughs> what are you doing? Like, no, I'm f- it's fine. You know, I'm, I'm just feeling a little weird. I'm going to ride in the hospital real quick and just get this checked out. She gets her clothes on, jumps in the car, and she's going to drive. And so we're we're driving to the hospital, and she is driving a million miles an hour, and I'm yelling at her the entire time. So... You kill me on the way to the hospital. <laughs> I'm gonna be so mad. So we get to the hospital, pull into the emergency, and. Just, I still go strolling in the front gate, and there's security guard standing there. He goes, "What's wrong?" Well, having a little bit of chest pain. So he puts me on a um, wheelchair and strolls me in, and the nurses are kind of milling around. And he goes, oh, this guy's having a bit of uh, chest pain." Well, nurses spring into action, grab me, put me down, hook me up. And they're like, "Oh yes, sir, you're having a heart attack right now."
1: Wow! So how did they know so quickly?
3: Um. I think they they hooked up whatever the oh the EKG uh, the EKG yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah and they could see it in the EKG like immediately because yep. I mean I, I walked myself into the, to the emergency room so mm-hmm. I think they were a little bit surprised so that was a little bit odd that was my dad but, too yeah yeah I mean it was, like I said it, my mine was not hurting that bad it was just I was sucking wind I was like just could not catch my breath
1: so rich and so what did the doc- didn't the doctor tell you something. About uh, About, uh, you said you, you, he glad you came in today? Yeah,
3: yeah, they, yeah, well, they, they, they did something like that. I was like, yeah, aren't you glad you came in to, uh, to see it? And I'm like, yeah, it's probably a good choice, a good idea. So they gave me, um, what's the, the little, the little pill?
1: Oh, the, the, the nitro, nitroglycerin. Yeah.
3: The nitro. That's when it started to hurt. So the nitro apparently opens up every pore in your body. And I felt like I was on fire. Oh, wow. And so all the nurses are rushing around and they're trying to figure out what's going on. They give me the nitro and they're trying to you know test everything. And for me, it seems like forever. with probably 10 minutes. And, okay, you're in the middle of a heart attack. We need you to get in the cath lab right now. It's a kiss your wife because we're taking you in immediately. And um, I remember, I mean, I was awake the entire time. So I rolled all the way down the hall. I watched them put the stent in.
1: You really?
3: I was never, I was never asleep, yeah. Oh, I felt man. it go into my arm, and that's when it hurt. It was, they went into my wrist, and that was the most incredible pain I've ever had because they slipped the thing in the wrist all the way up to the heart. And I'm looking up, and I can see the monitor, and I can see them going into the heart to put <laughs> oh, the stent in. So I, watched the, well, I just watched the entire thing, and then— I remember um, when they pulled it out, like some blood went squirting up and I could see it hit the ceiling. I'm like, oh, I said have the doctor, somebody's going to get in trouble for that.
1: <laughs> oh, man.
3: I, I was that awake and that aware and conscious the whole time because when the stent goes in, then like you said, the heart just opens up. So I sort of fell asleep at that point and mm. woke up in recovery. And like you said, I felt perfectly fine. I'm just, just I felt great. I was ready to go roll. And it was a Wednesday. And so one of my friends shows up. And I'm like, hey, you think he'd get my bike with a trainer engineer tonight? Because he you know, so has a Wednesday night and I got to do my bike ride. Like,
1: Dude, the <laughs> there, there oh, will be no bike that? training tonight.
3: No, not today. Wow. But wow. yeah, like I said, when, once I got in there, was per, everything opened up. So I had a uh, 95% blockage of the Widowmaker. So 95% of the people who get that, the lower anterior descending block, apparently die.
1: So he not only did he not have pain, but he had the worst heart attack. Mine was like a ninety percent blockage of the right coronary artery, and my doctor tells me that there's a, a ch- I mean I do he doesn't know I mean but he says because he had the same one that there's a pretty good chance I would have lived through it though I don't know how long the pain would have lasted if I'd have been you know further away from uh, from help. When we come back, I want to talk about uh, kind of how it's changed us and what the the, the differences uh, that we've had. Uh, undergo after having having this experience of having a heart attack. You're listening to Voices of Reason.
4: I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold.
1: Welcome back to Voices of Reason. I am Jason Lee, along with Amy Donaldson. And we're speaking with my friend Rich Koenig, who is in Michigan, Oakland Township. And Rich and I have known each other since the 90s. And we have the shared experience of being middle-aged men who otherwise were reasonably fit, but had heart attacks pretty much out of nowhere. Is, is that fair, Rich?
3: Completely, yeah. No idea at all. Uh, wasn't expected. Literally worked out that morning. It was perfectly fine.
1: So, uh... Let me ask you: Did you do you have any family history of heart attacks? Uh, you know, yes. in your lineage.
3: Yeah, yeah. My, my grandfather um, died of a heart attack when he was pretty young. I guess he was in his sixties, and apparently had had heart attacks when he was younger, like in his forties. Um, so I sort of heard that family history, but wasn't like sort of didn't know what that meant. It didn't really apply to me, you know. It's family, it's history. it's mm-hmm. somebody else happened to, but I so I didn't really have any direct knowledge
1: of that and so in my family nobody that i know of had a heart attack though we have other issues you know like i have high cholesterol but i take medication for that and there's some of that and a little bit of hypertension and i think i have like one or two people in my family that had uh, some pre-diabetes and, and one person had diabetes so it's, it's it's nothing prevalent and in amy's like amy's dad had by the way so amy's father yeah the toughest guy in the world uh, lieutenant dan he had two heart attacks
2: Three, three, yeah. He every Friday for three weeks, <laughs>
1: <laughs> three weeks in a row,
2: and yeah, a he had stents put in two of them, and and not, and then he also found out he had a valve on the first heart attack that he had a mitral valve. Um, so he had had some damage to that valve, so he had to have that fixed. So he had competing problems. So the valve issue um is different it's much different than um kind of the having blockage. a blockage mm-hmm. yeah and so you can't fix the valve issue until you're not on blood thinners and you know if you have a stent put in or anything like that they have to put you on blood thinners uh while that heals so uh, you know there's i I I learned more than I ever wanted to know about the uh the window that you need for a stent to heal and and the studies they've done on you know the time frame you need. So mm-hmm. the bottom line is, his problems went on for a couple of months, and um, he finally had the surgery to fix the valve and to do two more bypass um, procedures. And uh, yeah, so he's, uh, you know, how old is your dad? He's seventy-two. And now, did
1: he have any previous
2: problems? No. Um, you know, my dad, I, it would be hard to tell because he's not like a guy who goes in for a yearly physical, right, right. but he's phys- been physical his whole life. He's a Marine. He worked 20 years in the construction industry, and then he's 21 years as a state trooper. And then he's been retired, so to speak, but he's been, he has his own little remodel projects he mm-hmm. works on, and then he uh, ran the security system for BP for a while so, you know, he's not a guy who's sitting around. And I think that's been the hardest thing for him is you do have to heal. You'd have to be smart. You have to listen to what the doctors are telling you. And um, not lifting 10 pounds for someone like that is really hard. But I I think the thing that um, it drove home to me is that, it doesn't matter if you're not overweight. I mean, he's like the most fit person in yeah. his family, and he's the only one to have a heart attack. <laughs> and,
1: and, and so, like Rich and I, literally, we 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 live a life of fitness. You know, it's, yeah. it's I mean, he did a triath he did an Olympic triathlon. Yeah. The uh, what five three days before. before, three days before. I mm-hmm. mean, it just I I don't know. But I, we always
2: equate weight or body type yeah. to fit, health, and fitness. And I really think that it. My dad is not healthy. He eats terrible. He has high blood pressure they take medication for and we joke but you know i would remember as a kid i had my own job and i bought my own treats and my dad would eat them and i would get upset and i remember thinking don't put sugar anywhere near my dad because he'll eat it right um so but i just think that you just take that for granted when you have decent metabolism and Mm -hmm. and you're fit and you're active anyway so you don't have a weight issue you think oh i'm healthy i'm good but you know, it's a, it was a it definitely made me look up what are the symptoms for women and I told him I would be vegan with him for a couple of months and and I've stuck with the no meat. I'm going to probably just do that from She tried here to on get out. me
1: to do that, Rich. Uh we <laughs> went to we went to lunch last week with a yeah, friend. And I got to be honest with you. I um <laughs> I tried. He was not a fan of the I, vegan. I, I, it was not I know. And I had a vegan burrito once and it was pretty tasty, but I wouldn't say like I'm going to going to run out and buy it every week. But um yeah, so one of the things I, I, I noticed is that, A, so I don't have any family history either, though I do have these other health issues that you have to be concerned about. And what struck me about my experience and, and then hearing about yours previously and, and, and my physicians was that we it came out of nowhere. We otherwise were healthy people. I don't know that there would have been any way for us to discern that we were going to have this happen to us. And so when I uh, and the reason I bring this up is because other people listening who might be, of you know, a certain age, um, you know, probably in their 40s or 50s. And, and I guess in, in uh, Dan's case, uh, 70, you know, you don't always know that these things can happen to you. But what you should be is at least as cognizant of what was going on with we uh, rich and myself and all of us. We knew that something wasn't quite right. And as quickly as we could, uh, we realized, hey, we got to get some help rather than try to to work through it. Luckily for me, mine was so painful, I I couldn't have. You know, Mm -hmm. I I couldn't have toughed it out like uh, like Dan might have. I mean, honestly, I I believe your dad probably. No, I think that
2: that's how you know that this is painful. Mm -hmm. Like I, I, I was convinced because my dad is really. He, I thought he was having a stroke at one point because his blood pressure got so high. And I mean, I basically had to threaten him to get him to go to the hot. to, To you know, he's not that gonna go, but he said. There was no talking him into no. it. My mom said, "Let's go to the hospital." He's like, "I'm in the car." <laughs>
1: <laughs> you, you should have asked me that five minutes ago. and in,
2: he lives in rural Alaska, I should say, And so he had to fly. He had to be medevaced twice oh, wow. to Anchorage, and uh, yeah, so you're not gonna you're not gonna mess around with with that. I, that's how I knew my dad was in serious pain, and it completely changed his personality when it came to medical care. Instead of like resisting and being like, oh, "I don't really know if that's what it is," it was like. Whatever you need to do, do
1: it. So, Rich, how did it uh, kind of? What did your doctor tell you about how some of this would affect uh, affect you?
3: Yeah. So when I guess after I after I was sort of still still in the hospital, and I said to the doctors, I was laying I'm like, "Screw this healthy, clean living stuff." You know, I'm I'm done. I'm done eating well. I'm done exercising. I'm gonna start smoking and drinking. <laughs> and was like, no, no, no. no, no. <laughs> He's <laughs> like, no, That's what kept you alive. He says your heart was strong enough that it could actually continue to pump, even though it was blocked that much. Hey, wait a minute, right? So, have-
1: bypass? Didn't your Didn't your heart kind out. of create its own bypass?
3: That's what they said. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how they prove that or see that, but yeah, they said that somehow the blood just kept flowing around because when they when they ran tests afterwards, there was no damage to my heart. So it apparently was strong enough to be able to. Um, continue with I think it was ninety five percent blockage, so it just kept going.
1: So ninety five percent blockage of the of the most uh, severe heart attack, and you're you were in such it, good shape just, that yeah. you had no damage. Yeah. Well, I mean, just kudos really to you, brother. Really but, lost
2: me. They said the same thing to my dad. You know, most guys coming in at seventy one, he just turned seventy two. Uh, you know they're not going to, I mean, and, and I saw him after the open heart surgery, you know, my daughter's had open heart surgery twice for, for congenital heart defect. And, um, and so I know it's no easy thing to recover from, but you know, watching my dad recover at 71, I mean, I just aspired to be that, um, you know, that strong at that age Mm -hmm. and that, and that's what they told him too. You're in good shape. You're not, you're, you put yourself so far ahead of the game. If you're not, if you don't have a weight or a, a, another health issue that complicates this.
1: When we come back,
3: I think you can look at it a couple of ways that if you are healthy, you sort of don't monitor, you don't pay attention. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you aren't healthy, like, oh, I should probably take care of that and watch out for that and make sure that I stay healthy. But if you're not, like the doctor said, there was no way for me to predict that. I could have gone and done a stress test the week before and it would have had the blockage. I mean, it mm-hmm. happened. Because something, the cholesterol broke off and it caused a blockage mm-hmm. in a narrow place. And at it birth, there are different types of heart attacks, which is if you don't know until you start studying it. Yeah. If you're healthy, you're like, why should I study this? I don't really need to? Exactly. you know Understand it or know it. But recognizing, I think, is the super important thing is something is going wrong. Because, I mean, I don't tend to go to the doctor. I don't do regular checkups. I, if I you know, out in the yard working, and I cut my finger off. I'm like, well, I'll put some duct tape on it and get on, go on and keep, keep going. Right. I don't go to the hospital to take care of things. I don't do meds. I don't take that. So it's um, the fact that I went in. I mean, so many good things happened and just the exact right way that I was really fortunate.
1: Well, you know what? And, and good fortune is part of what life is, right? You, you have to know yeah. the uh, the things and, and then know your body and and know yourself and realize, hey, I, I need some help here. When we come back, I want to talk about a little uh, how it's changed our lives and, and – What changes we have made and uh, some of the, I guess, the medical things I have to look out for uh, and we have to look out for as we go forward. You're listening to Voices of Reason. We are back with Voices of Reason. Uh, I am Jason Lee along with Amy Donaldson, and we're speaking with my friend Rich Koenig who lives in uh, Oakland Township, Michigan. He and I are survivors of heart attack. Uh, he was 48. I was 53. Uh, mine was just this past uh, Father's Day, uh, Father's Day, Mother's Day. That, and I was, and funny thing, okay, so uh, I have this heart attack on Mother's Day. I'm not calling my mother until after I'm out of the, the thing, right? And I'm saying to everybody, there's no calling. Because to me, don't make her worry until after, like when I'm when I'm okay, it's it's more the experience. I just had a heart attack. It's fine, you know. Rather than oh my god, he's had a heart attack. He's going into this thing. And I'm like, no, don't don't do that. Because because you know, it's like if, if if I'm if you know I'm uh, I'm dead. Wait till I wake up in the morning to tell people. Don't let, let them sleep good that one night, and then they can have all the rest of the day to worry. But yeah. uh, try to avoid that. other. I'm oh, serious. If you're
2: my children, do not listen to Jason. No, no, look.
1: They, they, I, it was, I did the same thing. It, it, it did, did no did good, good that. thing.
3: I texted my mom. I said, give me a call when you wake up this morning.
1: There you go. So mm-hmm.
2: my, mom me, my mom called me at night and said... Dad's going to the hospital.
1: <laughs> See now, I think your mother is very mean and selfish. That uh, she no. so now you don't sleep at all.
2: No, I I slept. I mean, it's, you know, you can't do anything about it. But at least you're you know you get to I got to talk to my dad. I mean, my problem is what if that's the last conversation you could have yeah, had, right? Yeah. So well, I definitely yeah. w- would give up a night's sleep to talk to my dad.
1: Well, first of all, there was no conversing with me because I was uh, crying and <laughs> sobbing and just, uh, if, if I could have gotten in a fetal position, I would have, but I could not. <laughs> so uh, that, uh, that was not allowed. But, so, Rich, uh, from the time you noticed what happened to you, how long was it before you got to the hospital?
3: Well, I probably sat on the couch for two hours.
1: Oh, so is so, a little while. Okay.
3: Maybe, yeah, maybe two hours before the, yeah, before I went down. So
1: interesting. Not a long time. Uh, I was done at under three from the beginning to the end. So I got uh, as lucky as you did. That, uh, and my damage was minimal, but I didn't say it was no damage, but it was uh, virtually none, I guess. So I couldn't really complain. Uh, and
3: either. they tell me that plenty, plenty of guys in my position would be sitting on the couch. You yeah, I'll just go to bed and I'll wake up in the morning and wake you know, Then I'll decide then if it's okay.
1: Right, right. And that's,
3: and I think that's what gets them.
1: So um, what, what changes uh, did they tell you you had to make and what, what, how has it impacted you since uh, having that experience?
3: Well it took a long time to recover a lot longer than I thought it would um, as soon as the stent was in, I felt great but I, and I was used to working out every day. I mean, I worked out seven days a week running, biking, lifting, doing something, swimming whatever um, and I wanted to continue doing that and i I guess I always felt like I ate healthy, so I wanted to get, start right back into doing all that but after it took me almost two weeks and I went out for my first walk and it took me half an hour to walk half a mile.
1: Oh, wow. And
3: that recovery, just it, it felt like it took forever. But mm-hmm. looking back, I was able to run a you know, short distance after a couple of months. And after 10 months, I did a half marathon. And after 14 months, I did a full marathon. I've done three marathon, full marathons since my heart attack.
1: You do uh, triathlon still or no?
3: So, yeah, I do triathlons. I've done a couple this summer. I did a half iron last summer. So I'm still, still doing all those, but it's set me back. So I guess there's the immediate after effect within the first couple of months where you just feel like, wow, I have to change my entire mindset about who I am and what I am for my life. Because I loved working out. I loved being fit. I loved being in shape and competing and just being out with friends doing things. And for quite a while, I thought that was gone. Yeah. I, I didn't, didn't think it would ever come back. So I had to, focus on like, well, what can I do? What, what's possible? And just by very, very slowly coming back and just giving a lot of time to heal and get better, it did make me, I think, so that I was able to get back to the shape that I'm in today. But I'm not sure that everybody, you know, I didn't have any damage. so I was able to get back to being a pretty good condition.
2: I think that was the hardest thing for my dad is this, having someone else tell you what you can and can't do. You know, um, if you've been active, if you've kind of had the luxury of good health most of your life, Um, you go and you do what you want to do. Maybe you get winded when you first start doing it, or you have to get into shape to do exactly what you want to do. But you basically get to do in life what you feel like doing. My dad, when he joined the troopers, they offered him the chance to go run a marathon. He hadn't trained for a marathon, but he'd been training for the academy. So he went and ran a marathon. Um, But that's a person who's in basically good shape anyway, and then you can push your body to some crazy limits. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that's maybe harder for someone who has never had health limitations, like my dad has hardly ever been sick in his life. He's hardly ever been told no. I mean, he's been in a couple of plane crashes. He's The worst thing was he sprained his ankle, you know? I mean, we they had a really good friend who two weeks after my dad crashed had a very similar crash and it killed him. Um, so, you know, I think my dad's been really lucky and he's just always kind of bounced back. Even, he broke his back when he was in construction, but it wasn't, you know, a couple of days and... A little bit of pain, and he now he broke
1: his back, and it was only a couple of days.
2: And he was doing his thing again. You know,
1: I, I don't just, even know what to say about that.
2: I know, and and he is tough. I'm not going to lie. The dude can live with pain. He has uh, arthritis, and he lives with pain every day. But he just never b- had you know restrictions put on what he could do. And I do think that was something that well, at least I was he never followed him. Well, no, you just didn't, you know, and I think that I, um, I appreciate more, like when I go for a run now or if I'm tired and I'm hiking and I'm like, oh, I'm so tired. I wish I could take a nap. I think you're really lucky to be out here. Yeah.
1: You know, I, um, when I, so I had to stay in the hospital for two days. I, like I said, I felt like I could have left right away. And when I, I got home, I just walked around my neighborhood and just kind of doing a, a circle around the neighborhood. It's about two miles. And I remember coming home thinking, wow, I'm a little winded here. And I, I, I came home and I took a nap. And I remember thinking that that's that, that was the first time I knew I wasn't exactly as I was before. You know, like when I said uh, after the procedure was over, I felt like I could go out and just, you know, do what I was doing. Well, the truth is I, I that would have been a mistake. And And even this thing, though I, you know, it didn't cause me any real damage, but I knew that I was my body was different and so that I would have to kind of worked my way back into it so I I went back and I spoke to my doctors and they it took 10 days but after 10 days I was back to full activity Mm -hmm. at least being able to do what I wanted to do before that I couldn't lift more than like 5 or 10 pounds and I remember thinking how fortunate I was kind of like what Rich talked about you know having gotten quick treatment and you know gotten the stent put in and having little um, or to uh, no damage to my heart my life wasn't going to change appreciably From what it had been before, if I were to, you know, slowly work my way back into what I was doing and I I don't do ultra marathons, but I mean, I I still like to work out, you know, several times and I like to uh, be active. So being able to do that, uh, I the one thing I got out of this is I don't take any of that for granted anymore because when I was feeling fine and then, you know, 20 minutes later, I can't even pick myself up and, and step out of a vehicle I knew then that uh, it's it's all fleeting if, if Mother Nature decides to you know go sideways.
3: Well, so, I think I think a bigger change for what, all the people, all my friends and family. A um, lot of people said, "Shoot, if 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 you can have a heart attack, <laughs> any of us are going to be dead. Like none of us have a chance. Yeah. Right. And so
1: I got to be honest with you. That's what I thought of- when you told me. <laughs> yeah.
3: So lots of lots of my friends went and had their hearts checked. So, like, good, that's great that you know that. So my brother went and got tested, and, you know, that family history. You don't really live that family history. Well, now, his boy knows that family history. Right. So his son will be aware of that, and he's aware of that, so maybe they can protect themselves too, but... Friends got tested, people are more aware, they you know, hopefully hopefully somebody ate a salad once and you know uh, <laughs> improved some part of their lives right. a little bit to try and help it. But everyone was aware because of that. And people still, when they see me, they're like, Wow, it's really great to survive, but I learned something from you having gone through that.
1: Listen, when we come back, uh, the last segment I want to just talk about um, how the example like you just described, that we can be for other people who have had this circumstance happen to them. And, you know, it, it takes a little uh, mind shift yeah. in some ways. Well,
2: people like me can learn from your pain.
1: That's right. And, and, and hopefully they don't have to go through it themselves, <laughs> right, right? That's my goal. <laughs> You're listening to Voices of Reason. And we are back with Voices of Reason. Uh, I'm Jason Lee, uh, along with Amy Donaldson, and speaking with my friend Rich Koenig, who lives in Michigan. And we both had heart attacks. Uh, his was uh, four years ago, mine was uh, about seven months ago. And it, it do you feel like it changed your life, Rich?
3: I think it did a little bit. Yes, it, it changed my attitude. Um, I sort of feel like I'm in the bonus round. Like I should be. There's just no question. I should. I shouldn't have made it through. I was really, really fortunate too. And so. I think I'm much more appreciative of life and I'm much more appreciative of everything that I'm doing now. Like I've had a great life and I've accomplished a lot of stuff and everything from now on, this is all just bonus. This is all the cherry on top. So everything that I can do to help make the world a better place and, and, you know, be a good person, whatever. I think this is all extra. I'm really, really fortunate to have gone through it. I think that's what's really, has made me, made me more aware of that.
1: I would agree. I think I, I don't take days for granted anymore. I do not. And I, um, you know, and definitely, I want to be the best me I can be. And by that, I mean, if, if that means I got to be kind to everybody. I, um, you know, there's, uh, there's a, there's a Tim McGraw song, Live Like You Were Dying. I, I'm, I'm, I don't feel like I'm dying, but you know, it's, it's just that I know then you appreciate everything a little more when you realize you're not here forever. And, uh, every day is not, n- no day is guaranteed to you and no day is promised to you. So t- take advantage of the opportunities you have. Treat the people you love with all the uh, you know gracious, graciousness and, and affection you can, and be good to the people that uh, come into your lives for however brief and fleeting that moment may be. Because this one day it will be over, and you you won't get a second chance. And so it's um, I'm, I'm grateful for that because I think before that I kind of knew, but I, I really know now. Like I it's 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 you in, feel ingrained it. it's, in me. It's, I, it's a different. I mean,
2: I felt that way with my dad. Yeah, you kind of know life is precious, and you should make take advantage of every opportunity. But you have a gratitude that you that is more in your bones and your soul. Um, after you go through something like that, like every day with my dad now, I feel super lucky that I'm 51 and I have my dad to to call and to do things with.
1: So uh, I, I think I think I mean it's
3: not it's not every day and every action. Like I'm still a jerk sometimes. I'm still <laughs> yeah,
2: we all are. right.
1: right. You
3: know, still intense and. You know, get too much into things and still. But it, it's, it's, it, there is a sense of grace sort of overriding everything that, that when you let that seat back in, um, and seeing other people and they recognize that that has happened to you. And I think other people recognize that just like, wow, it's kind of cool that I still have you around. Mm-hmm. And so maybe a little of that, um, rubs off on others too, hopefully.
1: So, like, for me, what I wanted to, uh, try to convey to our audience is, like, look, first of all, uh, if you, as Rich just described, if you haven't and you think you're healthy like we were, like yeah. we are, I'm not, I'm not even Don't different. take things for granted. Don't take things for granted. Yeah. Go to the doctor if you have the, that availability and, and, and just get checked out. It and, can't hurt.
2: Yeah, and like you said, the stress test wouldn't have shown it. So right. when you have issues uh, that are super abnormal... Pay attention to them. Don't sleep on it. Yeah. Just go to the doctor. You'll be fine. And, and I, I do think it's important to say that a lot of these heart attack symptoms that we've all sort of grown up, up with hearing like oh your arm is tingling or or numbness or whatever that they're a little bit different in women and and some of them are the same the nausea vomiting headaches cold sweats flu like symptoms that's the way my grandmother's heart attack manifested mm-hmm. itself.
1: Women's is different than men's. Sometimes, yeah, yeah, and
2: and uh, and also can be just uh, my dad had really bad anxiety. Um, so, uh, and he's not an anxious person normally. And I think so anxiety or unease, uh, you breathing, um, unexplained pain. Um, uh, just go see somebody.
1: You know, I, I, feel like, uh, we, particularly if you have pretty good health, that you, you take a lot of things for granted because you, just, you don't get sick very often. I just, this is funny, I just got a, um, a bug and I had to get antibiotics for only like the second time in my life, you know. And, and I realized that's how fortunate I am that I've only had to have this happen, but it, it wasn't going away. And so, you know, um, you, you have to monitor your health. Uh, listen to your, uh, your medical, uh, you know, advice that if you have a family doctor, I I have, I had a great family doctor. He's moved to California now, but he, he took care of me for a long time and he had that same experience. So when I came back and I told him what happened to me, he was able to kind of guide me through what, uh, what had happened to him and how we should proceed with our lives. And that is, you know, to monitor things, obviously eat, take the medication. I have to take a blood thinner now for at least the next year. And I have to take my cholesterol medication, whether I like it or not. And I was trying to avoid that, but uh, you, you got to do it because I have a family history of blood clots. So that could be a potential that that tells me that that could happen to me again if I am not careful. So I, I'm I'm not taking that for granted at all. And I continue to eat pretty well and and do my exercise as I as I always had, and uh, just try to be a better me, really. So, Rich, if you um, if you had some advice to somebody. And you got you got you're on a, uh, an elevator. What would you tell him?
3: Well, I, I think you're trying to not be preachy and say, "Oh, look at me, look at me." I, I think, however healthy you are, being a little bit healthier can't hurt. mm mm-hmm. yep. You know, whatever it is wherever you are, wherever you're comfortable, whatever you're, if you're happy with where you are, just whatever that one more thing is, why not do it? Why not try to? Um, be eat healthier a little bit more, or walk a little bit further, or just do one more thing today and one more thing tomorrow, and maybe that's the one thing that you know keeps you around for your family and friends that much
1: longer. All right, listen, um, I want you to hold on for a little bit, but I, I got to do a little tag here. But um, I am grateful for you uh, for joining me this morning. I know you got to go to work, and I'm grateful that both of us uh, live to tell our stories because um, the circumstances could have been different, and and uh, we might not be here to uh, to, to share. So uh, thank you very much, Rich. And uh, a You know, this is, uh, to me, Amy, I, mm-hmm. like I said, I, I feel like it's, I don't know, Second Chance is a little strong, but not too strong. Yeah. And I'm... Um,
2: it's a reminder yeah, not to take things for
1: granted. And I'm, I'm better for it. I honestly really am. All right, listen, uh, I want to say to uh, join us again for the next episode of the Loudmouth Project's Voices of Reason. If you have any comments about our show, please contact us via email at voramed at gmail.com or... Or at vorjasonl at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter at adonsports and at Jason Lee one Our show's Twitter handle is at vorpodcast. Check out our Facebook page, and you can also find and subscribe to free episodes of our podcast, any places where you find interesting content. And be sure to review our show as well. We'd love to get your feedback, and it helps us grow our audience. Until next time, I'm Jason Lee. When you engage in passionate debate, do your best to keep your dialogue civil. Try to be the voice of reason.
3: Reason of Reason is the production of the Loudmouth Project.